Hi friends, in this episode you will hear the sweet little needy sounds of our guest's cream long-haired Dachshund, Belle. So have no fear, the dog is safe. She's just very needy and very sweet. Welcome to Short Skirts and a Long Scripture where we discuss and create a space to heal from religious trauma. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Cass. And with us today is our guest. Hi, I'm Carrie. (laughs) Welcome, Carrie. Thanks. (laughs) We're here to talk with Carrie about her experience in the Christian community that we were part of and to talk about mental health and spiritual health and relationship health and what that looked like while we were in it and when we got out. Let's get started. So we'll start with the first question that we usually ask our guests, Carrie, and that is um, just to get to know you, what is your background with Christianity and the church? Yeah, so I was raised in a Christian home. I was actually a pastor's kid. And um, there, I mean, there are even pictures of me as in practically an infant sitting up with my back propped up against the stage while people were practicing worship for church and stuff. So I was like raised in the church, Um, which honestly I think was beautiful and I loved it. And, you know, back then it was really simple. I think also just like my initial understanding of like Christianity in the church and then how I came to faith, like I felt my salvation story is quite basic. It was very fundamental. It was very much just like, I know that there is hell and I don't want to go there and Jesus is the way. And I think in my naive young self, there's a beauty to that, just the childlike faith. And then, um, I kind of feel like I coasted for a while and I just memorized scripture from a week to week basis and went to church and blah, blah, blah. And then, um, when I was about 12 was when I first got introduced to, um, the community group. And that was, that was definitely a shifting point in, in my, in my relationship with the church and, um, Christianity. Yeah, so can do you want to talk about that a little bit or do you feel comfortable sharing about your experience? Yeah, sure. Yeah, how do you get get involved? Um I do remember I was yeah. So I was probably I think I was about 12 and I was honestly super excited. Um I remember specifically just little blurps, but like I remember going out to our gigantic barn with my dad and again, being a pastor's kid, we had like, you know, like 50 of those really basic black hardcover Bibles out in the barn and he grabbed one yep, down for I had a me. Little one. Yep. Yep. And, um, there's a sweetness to that just being, it was my first kind of Bible of mine. And I remember taking it to the youth group and participating and I remember loving it and it was fantastic. And I think it was really neat because it was my first experience being with a bunch of people my age, I think. And being able to experience that together. Yeah. You were such a people person too. I mean, still are that that was probably just like a highlight for you. Like there's there's all these people. Love it here. (laughs) I mean, I'm a hairstylist now. And so I kind of talk with people like all the time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it was, I think it was really good. And, you know, one of the things as I look back on my time with this youth group too is, while like, I know we're going to kind of recap, but in some ways just jumping in. Well, there were a lot of challenging things and a lot of unhealthy patterns and mindsets that I came out of it. It was phenomenal that it gave me a space to be with people my own age, because I think without mm-hmm. it, I would not have had that in my, my teenage years. And so that was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like Cassie and I have talked about this before. One of the good things that came out of it was the space to interact with people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there was a lot of weird teachings that we remember and toxic thoughts and patterns that we came <laughs> out with for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, 
so can we talk a little bit about some of those things that we learned? One of the things we remember a previous episode we've talked about is our mental health before, during, after being in this Christian cult. Um, do you have any thoughts or any memories of what your mental health looked like in? Like if it was good, if you were always like really excited, yay, I'm going to youth group, whatever. Um, and then coming afterwards, any thoughts about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. So I would say like, it was right around that age that I started struggling with some depression and just general feel feelings of failure. And I think at first it started fairly minor. Um, but eventually it really did develop to clinical level of depression. And that's not to minimize when people have a quote, depressing day or a sad day. That's totally valid. Yeah. And mine was full blown clinical level depression that yeah. was day in and day out. And it was getting darker and darker. Um, mm. I had feelings of failure and um, I was trying to figure out what I was doing wrong, what I could do to make it better. And I think one of the things that, you know, this kind of ties mental health with spiritual health, but we're kind of talking mm -hmm. about the holistic health anyways, is that in my young faith and in my just 13 year old brain, right? My brain wasn't fully developed. Um, I would think like, maybe I'm not reading the Bible enough. Maybe I'm not praying enough. What am I doing yeah. wrong? Maybe what could it be? And then when I would try to ask my small group leaders and people who I trusted, um, I think not always, but often it would come back with the encouragement to be like, yeah, you should read your Bible. You should pray more, which I think their thought was, I, I believe that they had good intent, but it really did reinforce the belief that I was failing at being quote unquote, a good Christian. Right. Um, because these are good things to do. If you're a Christian person, you should definitely mm -hmm. be praying to have a relationship with God. You should definitely mm -hmm. be reading your Bible definitely yeah. be seeking counsel from other christian people but it like left out the actual person and it was kind of just like these are the spiritual things that you do and we're kind of like not connecting the person with what's going on with them we're just trying to get rid of it yeah and this well, is our solution and i think like even how you just jump i really love how you phrase that because i feel like it, it expresses that yeah these are the spiritual solutions to these mm -hmm. problems but the problem was not to completely separate them, but these were also mental yeah. health challenges. Yeah. And so right. not that, again, that those are bad habits. Those are fantastic habits to have yeah. to create healthy thought patterns and stuff, whether it's around whatever spiritual belief you believe or mental health. Um, mm -hmm. It left out the mental health side. And so yeah. I think we needed to be mm -hmm. able to bring these together and fully acknowledge that we're physical, mental, spiritual human beings and mm -hmm. it left out a piece. And I think that often it was because of just lack of knowledge on mm -hmm. the other person's part. So it's not to bash them, but just like, hey, let's get more educated in the full realm. And sometimes maybe it was intentional, but I'm going to attempt to right. choose yeah. to believe, give them the benefit of the doubt. Felt on my end when I was dealing with that kind of stuff in the group, it felt very dismissive of your feelings. Like they were only yeah. trying to focus on your spiritual well-being without taking care of kind of like your your physical and mental well-being like they were very much separated they were not intertwined at all so mm -hmm. that was kind of a hard one to deal with yeah you're so right it was so just invalidating and it also felt a little bit of like well almost like we don't know what to do with that so we'll go back to what we know which yeah you know right. coming back yes. to fundamentals again isn't a bad thing but like hey can we get a fundamentals in all these realms of being a holistically healthy human being mm -hmm. so speaking about the spiritual health of the person what do you remember being taught about spiritual health like what was the focus what do you remember i feel like the thing some of the things that particularly stand out in my brain that kind of pop and that i remember is it was fairly black and white at the time. And I think some of that could have been how it was presented. I think some of it was my predisposition for how I heard things. And some of it was just my maturity level that maybe this was really a talk for an 18 year old or a 20 year old and not a 13 year old. Um, yeah. I, I remember hearing things like, well, you'll see the fruit of your actions. I remember mm -hmm. hearing things like, 
do these things and you'll have quote unquote an abundant life. Well, I didn't understand what an abundant life looked like. I didn't understand. Um, I don't think I understood the nuance to that things aren't as black and white as, as things were made out to be. Um, I do think that we can have a full life, but it may not be what it was presented as. Carrie just expressed let's let's re 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 rehash that she was like (laughs) you are saying that it felt very black and white they -hmm. were using a lot of spiritual catchphrases i'm gonna say Mm -hmm. um to explain things to us or dismiss things from us Mm -hmm. um and it just reiterated yeah when the People in charge are using those kind of phrases that are intentionally, they're doing it to go over your head so they can feel like they're more superior than you so that you're going to listen. 100% hardcore fundamentalism right there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Not a fan of that. The Christianese, the use of, no thank you. And this whole idea that everything is black and white. It's definitely, um, Mm -hmm. see our episode on Christian fundamentalism, this idea that we're right and everyone is everyone else is other Mm -hmm. everyone else Mm -hmm. is outside and everyone else is wrong and we should be afraid of them we are the only ones that have the right answers but not in a way like finding truth in a way that's like we use our truth as like our power and our control over everyone Mm -hmm. in our community yeah It's so divisive. And I don't Mm -hmm. think they probably intended it for it to be that way, but that's exactly what it turned out being is very, very divisive. And you had this weird divide of people and groups and the way they were thinking and the specific things that they believed, even though we were all, you know, Christians, children of God kind of thing. And I remember there being arguments about dumb shit like that, where people would I don't believe in that. Why do you believe in that? And they couldn't have a conversation about it. So, well, and then like the other thing I remember with it being fairly black and white. And again, this is my perspective. Everyone Mm -hmm. can have a different perspective. Like two people can go through the exact same experience at the same time, like two siblings, and they can come out with different um, perspectives on this. So I'll just Mm -hmm. throw that out there. But like my perspective was we, the way it, things were phrased. And again, part of it probably being the way I was predisposed to hear things, but also the way things were phrased is either you were like a submissive, really good Christian. You fell in line, you did the things, you did X, Y, Z, or you were kind of looked down on as someone that I wouldn't say, like, I think we tried to quote unquote, avoid like being like, Oh, they're a project person, quote unquote. But it was definitely (laughs) like, that person's further from Jesus and needs to be pointed a little bit more in the right direction. Needs a little bit more like, you know, bumper, bumper rails on the bowling alley type of thing. Um, and that, I mean, that just, I think again, with my predisposition and the way things were phrased, it just encouraged a very black and white, very judgmental outlook on people and Mm -hmm. on, on things. So Coming from a former project, um, that whole black and white outlook on life is a very dangerous place to be. And it's very harmful for people who view themselves as, I'm going to be the helper and I'm going to fix these people. Oh, dear. It's, oh, dear. I, it's I will a very try to dangerous give- space. <laughs> for sure. I'll, I'll give credit that, like, I know you guys have referred to this group as a cult, And if I'm honest, like the time that I was there, which I think we overlapped some, but I think I was there a little later. Yeah. I don't know if I personally feel like it was a full-blown cult, which isn't, again, not to invalidate how you guys feel. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it really had some cultish tendencies. What Mm -hmm. I've also heard from individuals who have been part of the group even past when I was um, I've heard it's supposedly gotten better. And so I'll give credit to those who have taken the opportunity to try to grow because the reality is I know I've said stupid things 10 years ago that I'm like, wow, I am so sorry for anybody who heard that. That was, that was awful. And so we make mistakes and I love it to see that people are actually growing. So, you know, there's that, but that's again, it's like, 
how do I fully acknowledge the people who, are, who have grown and are growing and fully acknowledge that there were some really hurtful things done and said at that time? Both are very valid and true. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So with that thought, then how have your thoughts towards uh, the spiritual health, mental health uh, changed since you haven't been part of this community for a while? I would say overall that it's just become more nuanced. Um, I know some of it's me growing and my development growing. I think it's also having the opportunity to step away from a circle of friends and having mm. to grow and stretch into a new circle and seeing that not all circles work the same way and not all people are the same. Mm-hmm. And so after leaving, yeah, I realized <clears throat> that things aren't as black and white. You get the experience of meeting other people, other circles, kind of stepping out of the forest, stepping out of looking mm-hmm. at the tree right in front of you. So you get a bigger mm-hmm. perspective mm-hmm. or just another perspective. Again, yeah. different yeah. perspectives can totally change your view on things. Um, I think I would say that after leaving, one of the big things I was able to step back and see is that while there was a lot of good intent, now don't get me wrong, there was a small phase that I was just mad and I was angry. And I think it's okay to move through and move move through and acknowledge Mm -hmm. and stuff. And now I've come to a point where I can say there was some really, really crummy stuff that I heard and learned from there. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think while there was good intent, it did skew my thought patterns around spiritual and mental health. Um, And particularly, I'd say around like those clinical levels of Mm. mental health disorders. Um, Mm -hmm. And of course, at the time, we didn't have any of that terminology. Not only did we were young, were we young and we didn't know know it, but even the people around us didn't seem to know it or acknowledge it, a lot of them. So Mm -hmm. like we've said before, some of the things that we would consider were traumatic for us, some of the trauma that we carried from leaving this group. We, we know, well, at least I think the leadership's intent was definitely not to traumatize a bunch of children, but right. the way that they controlled the people in it with fear and always, like, like you said earlier, we felt either we felt like we were the absolute best and we were just arrogant as I'll get out. We were straight up told we were the elite. Yeah, literally, literally, literally. specifically being told that. And again, I think it was with beautiful good intent. And oh my gosh, I have very different opinions now. So not to interject, but no, 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 that's great. Please, the elite. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We either either thought we were were the shit or we were shit. There was no (laughs) in between. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if you didn't match this expectation that they had for us, this unrealistic Mm -hmm. for guys and girls. Obviously, we're talking about from the girls' perspective, but guys, for children, girls, for children, you yes, can't for do minors. This to can children, we talk about minors, oh yeah. There, so, yeah. I feel like they were giving us like almost like adult level expectations for yeah. spirituality and yeah. uh, probably purity and every other shit that they taught us that was not. It was gauged towards adults and their expectations, and not for minors who were still learning everything yeah i wonder if that was part of the challenge both for our end and to give a little compassion to them like it would be really Mm -hmm. hard to speak to 13 year olds to 20 year olds and maybe that's an unrealistic goal i'm not saying it is i don't know it's maybe just something to consider that maybe it should have been split at like 12 to 15 and 16 yes I'm not um, saying that scaffold learning couldn't have happened. Yeah. I'm just saying that there's things that probably were said to the older group that the younger group maybe didn't need to be there for, or they needed a very different version of it. They can, you know, probably handle a lot of the things that were said. They just needed a different version of it for their developmental appropriateness yeah. at that yeah. time. Yeah. Coming from the teacher end. Yes. <laughs> Well, really, let's talk about, too, just the fact that a 12-year-old processes things outrageously different than a 20-year-old. And even then, a 20-year-old processes things very different from a late 20-year-old. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) The brain develops so, so much and so different within those, you know, different age gaps and stuff. So, for sure. Mm -hmm. And as I've mentioned in a couple episodes before... This idea of 
these hard topics being taught to kids. First of all, I have the problem with, like Cass was saying, some of these things probably shouldn't have been shared with all the age groups. Um, but I also think, like, is it important to, like, treat kids like children? Yes. We weren't really taught, mm -hmm. a, like, children. We were taught, like, you guys are already in the mature enough level for everything possible that we can teach you about God. You're which a mini adult. Like, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, well, I kind of agree that, yes, you shouldn't teach treat children like they're dumb and they can't learn i also feel like you definitely have to be aware of what is appropriate at what developmental stage like carrie's saying mm -hmm. yeah to introduce to a kid because mm -hmm. you can tell from our conversations we've had before maybe even from this one it messed us up to have all that knowledge at such a young age and either being told you are the elite or you are basically nothing and you're failing and giving you a depression like there's or some of these be a better way to do that expectations that were given to us you know if you were 13 yeah. or 12 going into this group listening to these really kind of more mature adult conversations yeah. that they were having with the 18 year olds and going this is what i have to be in order to you know be accepted be a good christian yeah. you know grow up for people to like me in this group if i want to have a future here kind of thing even i remember thinking those things sitting there when i was 13 14 15 and they just got worse as you got older let's talk about some of the things that we've learned that are healthy coping mechanisms or healthy ways to change how we think or process or view the world Disassociation is fantastic way. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I 100% agree with that. Yes. We're all just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No. Okay. That's bad. That is not a healthy way to pursue right. it. Just in case well. we were checking. Just in case. Just we're in not case. clinical psychologists. But... No. <laughs> yeah. No. Not at all. No, go ahead. You want to start with talking about healthy ways that you process mental health problems? I'd say the biggest thing that's influenced healthy healthy relationships, healthy mental health problems is the fact that I have a phenomenal um, psychologist, therapist that I've been able to go to for a number of years, which I think could be looked down upon. I also think that if you struggle with a lot of... Um, mental health challenges or just not even a lot, but if you just struggle mentally to be able to have that level of assistance to help you be able to reshape patterns. And what I've found numerous times is that, you know, for if you are a Christian and you maybe have heard things like, oh, well, you don't want to do those things. Those are sciencey. They aren't biblically based. One of mm -hmm. the things I think I've found the more I've grown, the more I've experienced, the more I've read is that true, true science and like the true science behind psychology, if it's really, if you can strip it down and find the, the truth in it, it's going to align with God's truth. That's what I believe, at least. And, um, you know, we read in the scriptures about how to renew your mind. And I think there's ways to say that, quote unquote, in a more spiritual way and in a quote unquote, in a less spiritual way. But it is true, like, you know, if you're trying to get something out to fill it with something good is generally better. I mean, that's, it also seems really basic, even just in the form of habits and stuff. Hannah, did you have any ways that you coped with mental health when you were out and going through all of the feelings and thoughts and everything? Okay. I like what you said, Carrie, about the true science aligning with God's truth. Because I remember being taught in this group, we've talked about it before, see previous episodes, um, this idea that either you believe in the Bible as truth or you believe in science as truth. And we were kind of led to believe that those were opposing things. So people that were like, yeah, we believe in modern medicine and science works and science exists and it's a thing. We were led to believe that those people, oh, they're probably not reading their Bible correctly because if they were, they would know that only the Bible is the truth and all of the science things. If it, This is like if we're talking about anything from creation to 
medical doctors. Like, this is one of the weird things that we got out of this of why we might consider it to be a Christian fundamentalist cult of some kind is because this weird idea that somehow science was not created by God. Again, black Which, and white. What? Yeah, very. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it possible for God to use something that he gifted man with? Um, yes. What a phenomenal idea. Like, as a Christian person now, I believe that science is a real thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shocking, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but also, like, I believe that God gives people new ideas and gives mm-hmm. people the ability to do things. We have we have evidence of this in the Old Testament when mm-hmm. new types of um, professions and labor started happening and coming to be in the world. And it will tell us like so-and-so, the father of music, so-and-so, mm-hmm. the father of blacksmithing. Like God mm-hmm. gifts people with the ability to do things in the modern mm-hmm. world mm-hmm. and they're not separated. So yeah, I just, this is one of those things that I remember being taught and having to unlearn and then relearn to trust that maybe actually God is working somewhere in the modern science world. Yeah. Right. And don't get me wrong. I think that there are even times that some, some people may, may say, oh yeah, this is science. Well, I do say be mature enough to check it, check the facts, yes. check the sources. Yes. And if you're a believer, do check it against God's truth. And you know, if it's like, well, then the solution is to kill this person. Okay, well, then let's let's talk about that one. Let's let's double check <laughs> that one. Um, but I do think, you know, like, I oh, really, really big one. We were not encouraged to do self-care in general. Oh, yeah, no. Very sure. big there blanket was no statement, talk know, of it. <laughs> big blanket statement. I'm sure there's nuances and little things, but I was, I know, I was not, I don't feel like I was encouraged to do self-care in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And even to this day, the number of believers who say, like, oh, that book is just too self-helpy. And, again, I think they have good intent. And, yeah, we have to check everything and make sure it's, it's sound and it's, you know, science-backed. Bible backed, whatever you want to do, make sure it's true science, right? Um, but I think that ties into the spiritual health, that ties into the mental health to be able to actually care for yourself so you can care for others. And if you're a believer, yes, God will care for you. And He has designed it that if we follow His path, that there's also space for us to care for ourselves because He gave our bodies to us and that includes our bodies and our mental health. And He wants us to care for it. So. Okay, end of rant. Good rant. <laughs> Actually, I was going to ask if you could dig in a little bit deeper to what you mean by self-care and why Christians might think you're not supposed to. Okay, <laughs> continuing rant. Yes, um, <laughs> please do. Um, I think it's one of those things that, you know, I think a lot of people nowadays will refer to things like a me day, quote unquote. Um, mm-hmm. But I think biblically, if we look at the scriptures, God sets aside a Sabbath. Now you then have to go go into this whole another tangent of what Sabbath is and what it contains. But in a nutshell, an intentional day to rest and to worship and to reflect. And I think God created space in our schedules to have rest and to recharge. But most of us don't really fully acknowledge that or take advantage of the gift that he gives us in that. And I'll even say for myself, when um, when my husband and I first started trying to Sabbath more regularly, more intentionally, I hated it. I did not like <laughs> okay. it. And then I was grumpy about it. I was so not happy about it um and then we had to adjust and then I came to really truly love it and now we're out of routine and haven't been doing it very well lately so we need to get back to that but self-help finding time to sincerely rest finding time to pursue health in holistic ways meaning um physically physical health finding time to exercise and what I've really pursued even just this past year is what I've called just intentional body movement. So not even like you have to work out, but like I've been trying to, even if it's a stretch day or if it's a little bit of a slight jog, or if it's even just a walk one day, intentional body Mm -hmm. movement um, in regards to mental health, I would say 
you know, figure out what you need, pursuing knowledge of what mental health looks like, good mental health, what boundaries look like in a healthy setting. I mean, in tying that back to scripture, we look at Jesus and how he even pursued mental health. He took times where he was like, guys, I'm taking a nap. Don't mind the storm. I'm sleeping through it. Leave me alone. Or, you know, and, and he exemplifies from my perspective, he exemplifies times that he set boundaries and said, no, I'm going to go away. And there were times he said, I was going to do this, but I felt prompted to have compassion on these people. And, not be legalistic about my me time or Sabbath or whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. and um, be able to, you know, exemplify mental health for himself and caring well for those around him as well. Mm -hmm. Um, This is so important for us to think about (laughs) because I've heard multiple times from people that I would consider my elders in the Christian communities say things like belittling this idea of self-care or taking a me day. And they were all, they will always say, that's so selfish. Why would you only Mm -hmm. think about yourself? Oh, and like, do you guys ever, I don't know if you guys ever heard this. I don't know if I ever heard it directly to me, but the whole like, what you don't want to take a day of rest well the devil doesn't take a day of rest and i'm like oh yeah okay um maybe we shouldn't follow the devil's example how about that can we consider (laughs) that one and i'm not saying everyone said that but i'm just like oh yeah let's definitely follow his example because clearly it's working well yeah Mm -hmm. literally so this whole idea that self-care is this selfish thing that only I've heard it's it, making fun of generational groups. Like I've heard people say, oh, these millennials always taking their self-care yeah. days. And my response is now, have you read the Bible? Do you know what self-care looks like? <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. about me. It, it's only about me to the extent where I need to be able to help and fill and do things for other people. And in order to do that, we're taking the example of Jesus. Like you said, he took private moments to himself. He took Mm -hmm. naps. (laughs) Like, we have a godly example, literally from God, of how to take care of yourself so that you're able to take care of other people. So I don't understand this concept that self-care is this weird, selfish thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That might also come from our society, though, that whole idea of you always need to kind of be grinding all the time, too, and you're not allowing yourself to take that needed rest so that you can go, you know, keep doing those things. Well, and I think as a blanket statement, what we're almost seeing is a complete swing with the next generation that it's like, well, no, it's all about me time. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's like really tricky that it's like, Mm -hmm. we want to, we want to pursue holistic health, which means to me, it means working really hard when I'm working, doing my yeah. best, and intentionally creating space to recharge and mm-hmm. to um, rest. Well, and I think in the generation before us, there's a major um, stigma that you're looked down upon if you need to go to uh, mm-hmm. a shrink or something like that, you know? Um, yeah. It was definitely way more looked down upon in past generations. So For this sure. conversation that we have about all of this self-care being a weird idea that we actually should be practicing. For example, it could be just practicing Sabbath. It can be your intentional body movement. It could be taking a nap when you're tired. Like these Mm -hmm. seem like things that should just come to you naturally. Um, This just makes me think of this idea that the idea of actually taking care of your mental health and your physical body is definitely biblically based information this is not just our personal opinion of how we think people should live Um, based on the example of jesus himself we know that you're supposed to be taking care of your physical and mental self Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes what that look like looks like in our modern day is seeing a therapist personally when i was going through the worst part of my depression after leaving this community, I sought out specifically a Christian therapist 
because Mm -hmm. I knew I wanted a godly perspective, but I also wanted a professional therapist. So I found Mm -hmm. someone who was a Christian, but also had degrees in psychology Mm -hmm. and understanding how human brains work and how to fix them when they're broken. (laughs) So 100% recommend look for help if you need help. Yeah. Two thoughts on that, if I may. One, I'm very blessed that my therapist is also a Christian. I think a really good psychologist also can attempt to focus on some of the science and set aside their opinions and beliefs and religion. Oh, for sure. Um, the other thing I would, not to jump on you, Hana, but just to no, maybe rephrase for those who might be a little bit more sensitive to say that it's not necessarily that we are broken and just need fixing. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. We go to a doctor because we want something fixed per se, but at the same time, just like it, a lot of that wasn't necessarily your fault, right? Things happened, things have happened, things have been choices you've made and others have made. And so some of it's just, we need guidance on how to rewire our brains to think about things differently and help train our bodies and brains to respond at an appropriate level not just have trauma responses to everything coming from someone who has ridiculous amounts of trauma responses. <laughs> okay, that's a really important point because even the vocabulary that I'm still unlearning and relearning is a result of this community that we were part of where we talk about in the mental health episode, if somebody didn't line up with the expectations that they had of where you should be at mental health-wise you were considered like defective Mm -hmm. and it was always your fault. You weren't praying enough. You weren't talking to God enough. You weren't in the Mm -hmm. Bible enough. And that is something that we're still like, we're still processing how Mm -hmm. to get past that, which that is not a true, (laughs) like, how do I say this? That's not an accurate assessment of the situation is to tell someone, for example, with depression that it's their fault that they're depressed or they're depressed because they're not reading the Bible enough. Sometimes mm-hmm. legitimately so people's harmful. brains are not producing enough of a certain hormone or whatever, and that isn't necessarily their fault. I left the community really only because my husband and I got married and we moved out of state. Like if it weren't mm-hmm. for that, we probably would have stayed at least on the outskirts of that community. I don't think we were as part of a youth group by the time we left. That was honestly more due to family um, needs than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were still part of a lot of that community, even just on a Sunday church basis, um, which wonderful people and some of them I still stay in contact with. And I love hearing mm-hmm. how they've also grown and become more nuanced as well. What, did I have depression after the move? I would say, yeah. I don't know if it was so much from the group. I think I'm, you know, honestly, I think it was a part of it. I think I finally got the space to just let it all come out. Mm-hmm. And when my husband and I moved to Washington, we set it up so that I didn't have to work a normal job for a little bit. And so I pretty much just stayed home and figured out how to keep a house and cook and clean. Mm. And dude, I was so tired between um, my time. Really, I think the biggest things that led up to it was um, both his dad and my dad had some severe medical issues. And then the Mm. fall, right before, like within the three months right around that we got engaged, um, my husband's dad and my two grandmothers passed away. And there was a, a lot, lot of, at once, a lot yeah. all happening at once. Like our, I found out later our engagement got postponed a month. It would have happened sooner mm. had it not been for another death. Oh. And so we were both just emotionally and physically wiped out. I slept a ridiculous, I mean, I was sleeping a solid 12 hours, like every night for probably three months. And so mm. I think a lot of it was just like coming back up. So was it all around the community? I'm sure there was parts of it. I think it was that some of the complexity of the layers and layers and layers that created some of my PTSD and my depression yeah. and some of my struggles. So we all have very, very 
different stories of how we eventually left this group. Totally. So totally. I don't, we all probably have very different emotions regarding that, you know, surrounding all the things. No, I think but... we all had anger and happiness and, you know, <laughs> all the array. Okay, so you mentioned you got married to your husband and then you learned how to be a housewife. Do we want to talk about some of the <laughs> things that you learned about being in a healthy relationship? Not necessarily compared to, but you can if you want to. What we were taught in the community. You know, it's taken time. It's And I think each step had its pieces of growth. I think we, I met my, my now husband in the youth group and we discovered we liked hanging out with each other. We loved leading worship together. He was a phenomenal support um, when my dad's major medical event happened. And after we got married, we, we had the opportunity to really press into the relationship with each other. Some of it was by choice. We called it our hermitage where we were hermits and didn't want to talk to anybody for a little while. And it was really healthy for us, um, to adjust that way. I had to figure out how to, you know, have a home of my own. Just what does meal planning look like? What does, what does grocery shopping look like really truly pricing things out living on a budget what does that look like and then after about six months in our small 600 foot square square foot apartment I realized I need something to do because now I'm bored and there's only so much I can clean my 600 square foot apartment with just my Mm -hmm. husband and I (laughs) and I am bored out of my gourd and I don't know what to do and then I found out that the place he was working needed some help and they were busy so I was like sure I'll go work part-time. That'll be good. And so, you know, that was a big transition, I think, for us going, like, there was a transition of being out on our own. Both of us were moving out of our parents' homes for the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, I was 19. And then there was a transition again when it became that I was working and he was working. And so all of a sudden, where when we first got married, while I quote unquote followed all the good Christian housewife yeah. type things, mm-hmm. I have no regrets honestly over that because that was mm-hmm. also just what we chose that he would work full time and I stayed home. So it just made sense that I essentially did all the stereotypical housewife things. Yeah, I have mm-hmm. no regrets about that. And um, once I started working, we did have to go through a transition of saying, hey, I need some help with the house now. And so right. we can tag team it and do it well together. And honestly, even just as each transition has come in life, and I think this is the big thing that we learned is that, or that I've learned is that with different seasons, you guys just have to adjust on what you guys are doing and what the load looks like to juggle it. Yep. Um, from the time we were both at that job to um, me working even more, I went from 25 hours a week to 30 hours a week. And then there were stints that we were really busy and I worked essentially full time. And then uh, five years down the road, finally, when I, when we kind of decided it was best for me to go to beauty school. And so I was doing 12 hour days at beauty school, three days a week, Mm. and then working part-time on the side. So then juggling again, well, how do we juggle house and work? How do we juggle shopping? How do we juggle X, Y, Z? And then after school, I was out of school. I didn't have a job for a little bit. So then again, I was doing most of the house stuff, but it made sense and I was okay with Mm -hmm. it. And we agreed to do that together. Um, And then since I've been back at work again, figuring out the juggle. And I think that's just, that's something I wish I would have heard about more healthy relationships where it can be really truly a team because we would hear, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, we're a team. I do this and you do that. And I'm like, no, what if we yeah. both share the responsibility and really we can bounce it off and there can be seasons that one of us quote unquote carries more of the load than the other person and that being really what the team looks like. So, yeah. and then going through different communities in, in Washington, we've grown and learned different things, being able to juggle things better and what it looks like to have a healthy marriage and what it looks like to not have it all figured out and like just because maybe we figured out a rhythm for one season of life doesn't mean it's not going to change three months later or whatever. Oh, yeah. So. 100% understand that. <laughs> what I'm hearing from you is that you learned about boundaries and uh, responsibility, sharing responsibility, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> which 
we've probably said so many times before, one thing that Cass and I remember from being in this Christian community was that we didn't know we were allowed to create boundaries. We didn't know we were allowed to have shared responsibilities. We were always taught, like, this is your lane as a housewife. This is your lane as the husband provider. Um, Mm -hmm. So to hear from someone else's perspective that it actually does work in a marriage if you, like, Mm -hmm. share the duties. Like, yeah, it's okay. (laughs) I think part of what we weren't, taught which could be a combination of my family of origin um, and the communities we were in is that there were boundaries we can have boundaries both kind of in the lane like you were just saying there's like mm-hmm. the lanes but also just realities of boundaries of yourself having the mm. um where when when do you come to the end of you in the next beginning of the next person um mm-hmm. I almost like to okay. think of like if we, if you have a circle around you and I have a circle around me, or like if we're both standing in giant chalk, chalk, um, made circles or something, there's so far I can go towards you in my circle before I start walking into your circle. Right. And so having boundaries like that and also understanding, um, that there can be levels or like tiers of circles of how far you go with different people, like in your friendships and how far you go with yourself in various levels of friendships and um, kind of jumping into the healthy circling back to the healthy relationships, having those boundaries, knowing where is the end of you? Where's the beginning of something, someone else? What does it look like to speak truth into people other people's lives when are you called to do that because I I personally believe that you have to be a certain have a certain level of friendship to be able to speak truth into someone else's life I think that's another thing I just experienced okay um was that I had people try to speak truth into my life sometimes it was not very gracious sometimes it felt like it was without love Mm -hmm. um and then even sometimes when it maybe was in love and it was speaking truth that it was people who they didn't really have that close of a relationship to speak into my life in that way. Yeah. And that's not to say that I can't grow to be teachable. And at the same time, there still has to be a certain level of friendship to be able to like call people out on stuff. Mm -hmm. Definitely remember a couple times where probably well-meaning older kids in the group would try to give you advice and it would be yes it it would come across as very maybe egotistical on their part Mm -hmm. like what how can you judge me this advice yeah exactly Cass can probably (laughs) I'm so happy of loads of stories specifically I remember a couple of those older kids in the group thinking that they were going to speak for God for me, that apparently they thought they were my mentor or something. And they, I did not have that relationship with them. I did not know them that well. And being in that group, when you're getting that kind of like instruction, I guess, from those Mm -hmm. kind of people, you just kind of had to like smile and nod and say, Oh, thank you. Um, Mm -hmm. And honestly, I didn't listen to anything they said, because again, like Carrie said, we weren't, we didn't have that level of relationship or friendship or whatever for them to be able Mm -hmm. to speak to me or speak Mm -hmm. into my life in the ways that they were trying to and for me Mm -hmm. to actually take what they were saying I guess something that I've learned and I'm still learning is being really careful now that I'm one of the quote-unquote older kids (laughs) is when a younger person comes to me and they ask for advice I will Mm -hmm. very humbly and prayerfully try to figure out a good way to give them some truth and help Mm -hmm. because I remember going to older people for advice and then immediately just being like, oh, well, I'm an elite member of God's family, so I have an answer for you. Oh, dear. Um, And I just really want to make sure that I don't come across that way, Yeah, which is something I'm still learning how to do with God's help. Well, and the reality too is, is that I just want to fully acknowledge too, that even all the things I say right now, shoot, in five years, I could look back and say, wow, that was really, really dumb. And I want to have compassion to say, 
I hope I have the compassion to say that was the best that I knew then. And that's what mm-hmm. I try to remember to my younger self. Like I was doing the best I could with that, which yeah. I did. And mm-hmm. that's where I also want to have compassion for others. And I want to continue to grow. Like Hannah said, I'm growing and I want to be better at trying to be able to give thoughtful advice very humbly, knowing that I may even say something that might even hurt that person. And hopefully they, they can repair from it down the road (laughs) (laughs) let's face it we're not gonna say things perfectly we aren't right like who knows I could be saying something stupid now and I'm trying to do the best I can now and continue to grow and be able to say better later (laughs) okay so with everything that we've talked about today Carrie is there anything that you look back on from your time being in this youth group or this Christian community and that you are especially either grateful for or regret? Yeah. Um, I think I said it a little bit earlier, but I would just reiterate too that like, I, now that I've moved through some of my big feelings, (laughs) um, (laughs) I am grateful for the group and I'm grateful for Mm -hmm. the people who had good intent to pour good into my life. And I think it was, I mean, it's a part of my story. It's a part of my journey. And the reality is none of our journeys are all going to be hunky, dory, glorious, wonderful. And so, and there were lots of fun times too. So it was part of my journey, the good, the bad, the ugly, and I'm grateful for it. And I'm saddened by the parts that really shaped me in very poor ways that I've had to work really hard to unlearn and relearn in a new healthier way yeah I think that's probably the biggest thing I'd say and yeah if any of those people are listening again I appreciate you and you are per my story and yeah definitely um but there definitely were things that I hope that you or they have been able to grow out of and I hope that I have too (laughs) that we can Mm -hmm. like I said I want to pursue being the healthiest version of the person I was created to be physically, mm-hmm. emotionally, spiritually, all the way around. So in wrapping up this episode, Carrie, do you have any advice you'd like to give to our listeners? I think to just summarize, and I kind of said some of these things before, I would say I would just encourage you to pursue healthiness, pursue mm. being, again, pursue being the healthiest version of the human being that you were created to be. Pursue mental health, pursue physical health, pursue emotional health if you're spiritual if you're not pursue spiritual health um just pursue trying to be the healthiest version of the human being you were created to be and pursue the truth and know Mm. that true science is going to align with the truth that god created (laughs) if you're a believer at least that's Mm -hmm. what i believe again so (laughs) pursue health and try to pursue being a good human being (laughs) Thank you so much for talking with us today, Carrie. It was great to have you on. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I love chatting and telling my thoughts. (laughs) Thanks for listening today, friends. As always, if you would like to reach out to us at any point and share your story with us, if there's anything that you would like to tell us, um, you can visit us at our website at shortskirtslongscripture.com. Always check out our Instagram at skirts and scripture or our email skirts and scripture at gmail.com. If you'd like to write us an email, we'd love to hear from you. And if you guys have any more questions or want to you know, hear more of my story, feel free to get in touch with me on Facebook. My Facebook name is Carrie Rose Gay. And feel free to shoot me a message. I don't know how to end podcast episodes, to be honest. So I just like. But eat, but eat, but eat. But that's all, folks. <laughs> CPTSD, you want any? ADD? I got some for you. Oh, not that one, but ADHD and PTSD for sure.